There it is. There's the show. We're on. How's everybody doing? It's an unnervingly beautiful day in New York. Hey, I was walking here. Hello, sweatness, my old friend. I've come to speak with you again. It was uh, it was a wad. It was a little wild how, how warm it was. So the last couple of uh, streams I've been sort of trying to sketch out a working theory for the political moment. And I think I'm getting there, but I think I, I thought I'd just take a break from that for a bit. Let that stuff simmer a little bit. Let me think about it. I think I might end up expanding on it in a different uh, uh, space than this. I feel like it's sort of, I've gotten as far as I'm going to get talking about it on here. So uh, keep, stay tuned for something else where I kind of flesh that out. But just last thing I say on the subject though before I kind of move on uh, is I know a lot of people seem to be upset by what I'm saying about the idea of college educated people composing some sort of cultural elite now, like a class with, with its own characteristics. And I get why, because that's a claim of a lot of dumbasses who want an excuse to become Republicans. I mean, that's the end of the day, well, that's what that is. And I get that. I understand it. And maybe it's my fault for not stressing enough that when I say it's a class, I don't mean an actual class in any Marxist sense. I mean a pseudo-class. We're talking about pseudo-classes in that they have something that is like class consciousness in that it informs their political actions, i.e. their vote, which is all we do in America, mostly. But their political actions are symbolic. And their class, their class uh, awareness is totally illusory. And it has nothing to do with their relationship to production. It has nothing to do with like whether they're bad or good people because of their relationship to the mechanisms of exploitation. Like most Americans, they are both exploited and exploiters. It's all about how you see yourself and then what uh, premises you operate from that, oper that determine your political uh, 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 agency. And traditionally, classes are supposed to emerge out of relationships to production and because that's how you create actual a class that can act in itself, which is how uh, uh, Marx defines class. This is it's, it's something that, uh, or at least a, a, uh, a stage of class consciousness, class coming into being. We don't have that here. These are not classes in that Marxist sense. So no matter what mechanism they're operating out of for their policy, either Republican or Democrat, and everybody is, like I've said, who's in this matrix is a Republican or a Democrat, no matter who they vote for in any given election. It's about uh, just a, a set of uh, uh, responses to this governing uh, cultural hegemony, either pro or against. And that leads you to symbolically represent that position in your vote, which has nothing to do with any of the actual questions of distribution of resources and, uh, you know, the role of, cap of, uh, of uh, the citizen to interfere with the fucking market as it liquefies everyone's bones. Those questions are not up for debate. But both sides are fully invested in this cultural uh, 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 fantasy, which means that nothing within their political activity in that political world will ever challenge that, which means neither the Democrats or the Republicans are going to turn into a party of the working class in any way. I'm not just talking about, uh, you know, whether or not Tucker Carlson can make a hair-invoked democracy with white Medicare for all. I'm saying that 
No one's going to have to pitch. What about this election is making anyone think that the people who are going to come after Trump are going to double down on the economic populism? That's not the stuff that hit. That's not the stuff that sparked. That's not the stuff that defined the, the presidency and did not define the race and did not get people to vote for him. Which means they're going to go on the easy stuff, the culture stuff, because it doesn't go against the interests of their actual uh, funders and the actual structural incentives of the party. Same thing as the Democrats. So I think people get mad because they think I'm passing judgment on these people. I'm saying, you are PMC, therefore you're evil, and you're why everything's bad, and you're the, you're the obstacle to socialism. No! You're people trapped in a relationship just as much as of false consciousness, just as much as working-class Republicans are. And, and that has to be uh, broken, and it can only be broken from outside the political system. So I hope that, I just want that to be clarified, because I don't want people to think that I'm really saying that they're a class. They're a pseudo-class. All classes in America, when we're talking about what is defined by the political structure of voting in elections, because, come on, that's what we're meaning when we're talking about this, they are not a real class. They think they're operating off of, like, a shared uh, uh, value system, but it is not based on their relationship to production. It's based on a position on a cultural question. And that cuts both ways and across everyone. It's false consciousness all the way down. Because it's consciousness that thinks that this political structure, this political contest, is meaningful. That is unaware that all the real decisions that make their lives terrible and worse every year are being made at a bipartisan basis beyond the level of uh, political debate and choice. But the thing is, I understand why people get touchy about this, because they've been fighting people online who are saying the other thing, who are wrong. And I'm telling you, those people are wrong, because all they really want to do is excuse themselves, is, 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 carry, is basically make sure that their clout is transferable when they would become Republicans. Like, they want to be able to turn in all those clout chips that they've accumulated while they were... Uh, you know, on the left until, and the thing is, I don't think a lot of this is bad faith. I think that the terms of online debate will drive you in this direction. You will be driven to become the caricature of an ID Paul, a care lord, or a Nazball Strasserite. You will be forced to by the fact that within this debate structure and within these, within this locked two-party system, you can only can ever outbid yourself in order to maintain a position in the stream of ideas and takes. There's always someone who can outbid you. And since it's all a contest for social clout that can be transferred into real sustenance, from GoFundMes for medical care to a career in a parasocial media relationship. But that's all it is. Uh, all right. So that was just, I wanted to get that cleared up so that I feel like there are fewer people who are going to be in good faith arguing, yelling at me, and instead I can kind of feel like, oh no, if you don't get what I'm saying at this point, you don't want to, because you're invested in this uh, question, and you don't want to move past it because it, fighting it gets you off somehow. Just like the fucking libs who are getting off on the prospect of Trump doing a coup, because they're just, because he predictably is not accepting that he lost, which everyone knew he would. And now everyone's freaking out because, oh my god. Papio said this, and they're not, they're not uh, starting the transition in the executive branch. This is another case of people uh, 
jazzing themselves up on a fight that they want to keep having because they didn't get the, the orgasm they thought they were going to get out of Biden winning. They just got this kind of sad, seeping uh, ejaculation. And they want another one. Their refractory period's already up. They want another one. And the reason I say that is because the people who are most likely within the government structure that would have to carry out something like a coup, the people who are closest to Trump personally, as in closest to his orbit, like personally appointed by him, or are highly uh, are high um, high profile public surrogates for him that uh, be, that are in the uh, legislative ranks, like senators and Congress people. Those people, he could fire them at a drop moment's notice. He could ruin their career, the GOP potentially, uh, and so they're not going to admit, say that he's lost before he does. They can't do that. And in, the, in Congress, the voters love him. And if they see you cracking, they will hate you forever. So, of course, you have to, you have to say that he's still uh, in the running. The thing is, though, is that those groups of people, the ones everyone's freaking out about because they keep kind of going along with Trump instead of admitting the reality, they have the least influence over the actual statutory chain of events that will be the, like the, the certification process that leads to a fucking president being uh, certified like the the court cases uh, and the count and uh, the the uh, legislative sessions and like the electoral college meeting those people are almost completely insulated on an individual level from Trump in any way which means they are free to operate from the best interests of the party the only way this real cuz like there's not the only way this realistically evolves into some Trump stealing it situation is if there's a is this through Matt, through just I guess the spontaneous the spontaneous moment a bunch of like career uh, Republican lifetime appointed federal judges decide we're going to do this and they and they accept some of the one of these legislation the thing is it would have to be a whole bunch of them cuz this isn't Florida they would have to bundle all and they, and they have different mechanisms and different arguments they would have to bundle them all into one to hog's breakfast of a totally conflicting, incoherent case and get it in front of the Supreme Court. I don't think that would happen because those individual judges can make individual rulings at any point and end any one of them and make the, bringing them together in the correct combination that could make it into one argument not even possible. And if it got to the court, John Roberts would deny they wouldn't say he was wrong they would deny uh they would deny um what do they call it when it's they would deny standing to the case they'd say there's no standing for this charge or for this thing and they wouldn't even uh adjudicate it and the reason i know that is because that's why john roberts exists in the system john roberts is the figure and this is the reason republicans either hate him or, or if they're stupid or pretend to hate him if they're smart is that he exists to legitimize the structures that are built are over time becoming more and more key to GOP maintaining its major, minoritarian rule. Now, of course, if we see the continued realignment along uh, uh, educational attainment that's started here happen, they might not even have to worry about uh, you know gerrymandering. They might just win. That's a terrible thing to think about, but it's a real possibility. But for now, they need these structures. And the thing about a Supreme Court ruling that, that validated that like monstrosity of, of a 
transparently uh, 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 illegitimate uh, argument is that it would have to be enforced by some sort of suspension of normal democracy, which would obviate the need for a Supreme Court. You don't need the Supreme Court anymore if, if, if you don't have to worry about Democrats getting in office. Or if it's like just acceded to naturally and everyone's like, I guess that was a ruling, you heighten the likelihood that the Democrats do take power again, they will neutralize the Supreme Court, which means there's no incentive for you to do it because you have a 6-3 majority. You have a 6-3 majority. What are you afraid of? You are not some yokel hooting around in a fucking parking lot thinking that if, as soon as Biden gets in, there's going to be some fucking woke Gestapo showing up on his doorstep. Some Antifa super soldiers are going to take him to get gender reassignment surgery in a FEMA camp. Don, John Roberts does not know, knows that's not going to happen. And with a 6-3 majority that they can essentially make sure that the experience of being governed by Democrats is, wouldn't you know it, almost identical to the experience of being governed by Republicans, which is extraction at maximum uh, uh, velocity. Profits being stripped out of the fucking uh, remaining centers of human activity still yet unexploited. Prop 22 rewriting the, the nature of, uh, of the fucking uh, employment contract as we understood it post-Lochner. There's no incentive to do it. Now, so that means I don't care what any of these yokels say. They're going to keep saying it because... He's right there. And they can because there's nothing for them to do. All they can do is write angry letters and harumph. Now, the only reason this matters or should be concerning to you is if you think one of two things. One, that they're going to somehow turn this into a military coup, which, sorry, nope. The guy who just, the, the guy who just said on election night, uh, I claim these electoral votes and had Jared Kushner Googling Jim Baker. Nope. Who, who thought that they were going to give fucking uh, vaccines to Santa Clauses and, and the malls to get people to take them? Unless that was all some elaborate screen and this world is not as it seems, that's not going to happen. The other one is that, well, these guys saying this is going to get all those Trump voters all riled up. They're not going to do anything. I think we know that by now. But now, people are still freaking out because, well, you know what they're doing? They're undermining the faith in this election. These people aren't going to accept... Uh, Biden is the legitimate president. They were never going to accept Biden as the legitimate president, no matter what the outcome had been. They didn't accept Obama as the legitimate president. The fucking didn't accept Clinton as the legitimate president. They're, it's just the way they think about it. It's like the way they respond to the president changing hands. It's the way they deal with the cognitive dissonance of living in America. America's a great country. The president should be great. And when the president is someone they like, hey, what's this? The president's illegitimate. The president's somebody they don't like. What's this? The president is illegitimate. It's the way to deal with it without becoming a Q-psycho. And it's the way most people process this stuff. And it's the way they all are. This is just the specific narrative they're going to tell themselves. Well, they just sit around bitching and posting on Facebook, which is all they've done. And all they're going to do, except, of course, for some crazy early cook colonels who are going to pop off and do some mass violence. But this is America, honey. That was going to happen anyway, too. So when you see people talking about this stuff, it is because, one, the media is juicing it because they have to keep juicing it, even if they don't want to, even if they're horrified by the, the, what they're doing. And they really are. I think they really are horrified by a lot of this stuff because they believe in norms. They can't not do it. It's, it's, it's tidal gravity. They're being pulled into the black hole of this.
so they can't stop. But at the peop- at the consumption level, I think people are they didn't get off on election night and they want to get off. And so this t- they have to tease out the struggle so that they can get another big unclench. They can get another big zing moment of triumph, but it won't be that good. It'll never be that good because it's just ruined orgasms from here on out. Someone's birthday. Hi, Grace. Grace, happy birthday. I am chill, dude. Calmer than you are. Calmer than you are, dude. I'm literally being chill. I'm telling you people to chill out. I'm telling you people that this is this is theater. And that it serves, a, also it serves a purpose. I don't think this is conscious, but it just serves a purpose because everything serves its purpose in this fucking, in this machinery of mis- consent and uh, ma- manipulation and con- and manufacture is that it tears it wires it fucking wipes you out over time the seesaw for both sides trump's winning now he's losing no he's gonna take it back now he's gonna lose it both ways it's it's just it's drawing your soul out of you it's it's turning you into just a joyless puppet of uh of, of, of political uh autoerotic asphyxiation So yeah, calmer than you are. Calmer than y'all are. I mean, I know you're really scared of Trump doing a coup. Isn't that what we all really want? We want this thing to end, right? We want this charade to be over. Climate change is going to kill everybody in 10 years, right? That's everyone, everyone, uh, whenever people try to like, you know, create a a narrative about the urgency of politics, it's climate change is going to kill us in 10 years. No human being on earth can look at the possibility of Joe Biden being president with fucking Mitch McConnell being, or Chuck Schumer being majority leader with a 50-50 Senate and Nancy Pelosi in the House doing anything about not only climate change, but anything. At least Trump shattering the illusion of democracy will, will throw us into a new relationship to each other in the world. Oh my God. And finally we can, we can, we could take, begin the task of like living, no longer carrying out a script of our behavior, but able to be, con- uh, be uh, negotiating a live and new frontier. Of course that's what people want. But they're too chicken shit to make it happen all the way on every end of the fucking spectrum. Because they all have too much to lose. Because they don't really believe it. They don't really believe enough in anything to die for it. What they really believe in is their own pleasure. And all these structures of politics that are, are built on top of that, they're built on top of pleasure. So when the moment of precipice comes, what do they do? Do they fucking rush the gate? Do they risk getting mowed down by Secret Service agents and, and state police? They break out the karaoke machine and the barbecue grill because it's about pleasure. It's not about a felt sense of a shared material interest and the advancement of it. And so no one's going to die for this, which is what we would need to be able to break out of this, this cocoon, this, this, this political zombification that is having us, that has us in an unalterable current trajectory towards annihilation. And the, 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 the optimism I have is just that the, the fundamental uh, 
insufficiency is becoming so transparently true. And I think even the pleasures themselves that we are uh, offered in exchange for our quiescence are losing their luster. I think people are going to start looking around themselves. I really think they are. Problem is, it's it's what the scary thing is is to admit the lack of your lack of ability to to direct that. You can participate in it, and we're all going to have to when the time comes. But we cannot anticipate it, and we cannot incept it, at least not consciously. Consciously, we can only interact with the world around us. Oh. Speaking of the Republicans, another incentive for all the Senate people, like McConnell, independent of Trump, to keep the fucking rubes whipped up, it means they're more likely to win the fucking runoffs in Georgia. And it means that Trump is going to have more eyeballs on his new TV show. This is all about keeping the grift going. Because it's all a fucking, it's all a pyramid scheme. Like, the multi-level marketing scheme is the defining, uh, is the defining uh, post-70s American business model. Everything since the Volcker shock has been a series of interlocking and nested Ponzi schemes. And the reason that's viable is because when one bursts, another one picks up after it because the money keeps flowing in, because we are the consumers of last resort, and we are the, pol we are the police. We are the enforcers of the global uh, uh, rule book, and then we are the ones who gobble up all of the overflowing production at the end of the global process. So there's no production happening, there's only consumption, so we just have to swap things back and forth as the, as the margin dwindles over time. And so the, the exchange is, is, is to spark uh, these opportunities to provide a, a rent, pure rent seeking. The fucking the Democrats fundraising for these Senate races that had never had a chance in because they have a bunch of uh, cucked polls that they either know are cucked, help make sure or cucked, or are just happy to find that what's this the world we've created is one in which you can no longer actually accurately judge anything because you've created such an insulated cultural cocoon that only cucked people within it will respond to the goddamn phone and you literally have a distorted view of the world around you there's no incentive to change that because looks this we can arbitrage that we can fucking arbitrage this distortion in the reality's uh, perception apparatus of our political class and politically active people. We can take this this nat this built-in deformity now that's becoming going to get more worse over time and use it to get these chumps to cough money up to us that we will just spend giving to each other as fees for services, as campaign uh, consultants and media creators. And then to our friends in the media, our fucking uh, our symbiotic uh, suckerfish in the media get to buy get to get it in the form of money for advertisements and production costs to make ads that everyone who's watching has already determined their fucking preferences because they're that's how they that's how you do it you have an identity already 
the people who look at this stuff are just getting a weird background radiation that they get culturally, and these ads themselves have no in, no invest no ability to shape it. But nothing can intervene as long as nothing intervenes with it. They're gonna as long as the money keeps flowing in, it's gonna keep spinning even though it's broken. Same thing with the entire tech sector. And same thing with this fucking uh, uh, this coup. Keep the fucking keep a reason for people to pump money in. They're fucking gonna keep you president, and then when you're not president anymore, they're gonna get you to be back in there. Now I don't think Trump's gonna run again, but I do think that he is going to try to maintain the spotlight. And I don't know, maybe anoint Don Jr. Although he doesn't like him enough, I think he might anoint somebody else. It depends on how self how how bitter he gets specifically about it depends on who he blames for losing and the thing is there's no way to really know that right now it looks like he's blaming fox news for losing and if that's the case then i don't think he's going to run for president again i think he's going to buy onan and try to out murdoch murdoch i don't think he's i don't buy that he's an anointer either because he doesn't understand things in terms of a legacy because he can't imagine himself ever dying because his consciousness is so psychotically narcissistic, he is so fully flattened the world into his own perception that he cannot imagine dying. So he could never anoint a successor. And the project isn't about a political aim, it's about his personal uh, glory. And when he's dead, there can't be any more of that. So another reason he wouldn't care. No object permanence. So that's another reason, I don't know, I think he'll just be a media guy. He might be dead. I mean, he really could die before 2024. I mean, I know it's like, LOL, he's alive. But he did get fucking COVID, and he is in his mid-70s, and he is fat as shit. I mean, fucking Scalia died at 80. Remember, nobody thought Scalia would ever die, that fat turd? And then pfft, Obama got him with the heart attack gun. It could be done. He might go out like Stan Shera. On what should the lumpen bourgeois focus their attention? On the on what's in front of them? On their working conditions? On the lives of their friends and family? Operate first from love. Operate from love, not a political motive. Operate from love. The people that you love, and and if that conception of love is expansive enough to include people beyond your immediate family, well, then. The ones closest to you are the ones you're going to be most likely to be able to figure out how to help because they're actually in front of you. And then you can try to help them. You Can you still listen to podcasts and look at Twitter fights and be involved in politics and vote and stuff? Yes. But you should shave down its psychic value to you and, and recognize that it is not fulfilling what the whole sensory apparatus is designed to fill, fool you into thinking it's doing, which is involve, uh, changing in some small way the headwinds of politics. Like you're not even having a butterfly flapping effect. You're in a vacuum that you don't know. And so, like if you have things in your life, issues like a, a union... Maybe there is a union drive at your place of work where people are started talking about how pissed they are. Maybe you can reach into the ether of politics to pull something to maybe bring up. But secondary, 
secondary order, not from not bringing it down and saying, "Hey guys, this stuff. Let's do this stuff," because it's all it's all in a language that is not meant to be intelligible. And it is meant, in fact, to to mystify things because they teach you this shit because it mystifies you. It makes it so that you that stuff that you see in front of you that is clearly evil and wrong maybe isn't. I mean, my God, have you seen these people who are talking about how? Talking about food deserts and like the fact that it's impossible to eat healthily if you're poor in this country is anti-fat. It's fattest to do that. You're taking the outcome of the monstrous pathologies of capitalism and you're saying that it actually is a, uh, an identity category that needs to be protected? How the hell are you supposed to ever address real meaningful pain in people's lives if you have that kind of uh, thought process? which is inculcated by the, 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 the college-based approach to, uh, to politics, the, po- the college-based heuristic to politics. It'll get you there. Like, there's that classic uh, tweet, you know, I, I'm a fiscal conservative but socially liberal. Uh, the problems are very bad, but the causes... Or no, the, the causes are very bad, but the pro- or no... The problems are very bad, but the causes, the causes are good, right? That's a classic tweet. Uh, for these people, for this like lib- new liberal like identitarianism that is around things like ableism and like stuff that a lot of it is the outcome of capitalist alienation. They think, they say yes, the problems are, the causes are bad, the causes are bad. Capitalism is bad, but the problems are actually good. The problems are the good things. The problems need to be protected somehow. How can you go through this rat's maze to get to anything like a consensus politics that can be based around material ends? You can't. And so you can't bring this shit down. But when questions of like, all right, how do we, how do we like do this? How do we actually do this? We don't know. There are people who do know. And then, oh, here's useful information you can pull out of the ether. Useful information. Not this whole framework that is going to make it impossible for you to address the question, but a directly useful, collaboratively produced intellectual structure or idea or meme or whatever that can be fucking applied to a specific circumstance. That's more than anything what I'm saying to people is that their relationship, their, the way they imagine the arrows flowing in the media lived experience dynamic have to change you don't spend all your time whipping yourself into being a political consciousness and then trying to apply that to the world around you you start you stay there you stay there like it's like spiritually and personally you stay there as opposed to vent off onto the internet that much which you can only do because you're filling in the part of your soul that demands change and and loves and wants to see that See the people he loves, uh, which could be everyone, happier. You have to uh, start from that premise. And this is where Buddhism, honestly, to me, comes in, because you have to be able to accept your own... uh, limitations and that means uh, 
sitting with the anxiety that comes from not being able to feel like going online or voting is going to really help your destiny and the destiny of people you love. That's the real cause of all this online argumentation, I think, is people are letting off the angst they feel, the, the underlying panic they really do feel about the fact that we all know how bad this is, and yet we can't make it any better. That's horrifying. And it's because people have a false understanding of their own ability to control this because of the false, because of the amount of information about it they're able to consume. They're able to get a, such information about things that they have no ability to control that they get this delusional, they have to, they, they try to even that out by imagining agency over it. Because to not do that is to just drive yourself kind of cracked. If you have all this knowledge of all this horrible stuff that's going to happen and you can't do anything of it, I mean, there's a fucking figure in ancient Rome who had that issue, Cassandra. She was pretty fucking, uh, she was a little loose in her shoes, that Cassandra, because she kept, uh, she knew exactly what was going to happen and nobody fucking said, uh, believed her. And that's the position of being online. And so people make up for that by deluding themselves into thinking that they have agency on this plane. And if they sit with their inability to change things, and therefore they're not, the, the, fact, the, the fact they don't need to know this shit, they can reframe themselves around the life that's in front of them and not feel the need to flee to online to relieve the tension and relieve the stress. You can sit with it and let it kind of steam off and then move forward. I mean, maybe it's not Buddhism. It can be Christianity. It can be anything. But it has to be some spiritual sense that grounds you. And it can come from, and it comes from, it's a reinforcing dynamic between engaging the world around you and then seeing the rewards of that, which are the more you pay attention, the more you're able to pick up and it helps your ability to move forward. It helps your ability to navigate what seems otherwise overwhelming and bad about life. And what sucks is that there's no guarantees. And it's all very scary. But I do think that there's no good to come from scaring yourself even more than you need to be. I think there is a reason for everyone to be concerned about the moment. I mean, real people's lives are really at stake. It's not a game. You know, I don't think we're going to see some sort of collapse in our lifetime, uh, maybe in our lifetime, but right now everyone's life is hanging like closer to a thread because of how, how uh, dysfunctional this system is and how, how critically the crisis within it is. But the version of that reality that you get every day online is this five alarm fire of like immediate extinguishment. And it's like, you got to imagine that if you have like a terminal cancer diagnosis, you have, there's a higher likelihood that you can come to a point of like dying with less, with, without fear than if you're on an airplane and the wind, the wings fall off. You know what I mean? Like, you can, you can uh, come to terms, and of course it's like, are you saying come to terms with death? I'm just saying, like, well, that is what all, you know, life is. So on a personal level, yeah, it is coming to terms with death, because that's what allows you to live. 
Because being afraid of death is what drives you to literal distraction. And what drives you to feel like you can make things change on here. And drive you into thinking that what is, you know, is a bad situation, is a, is a, is a crisis, is somehow the terminal crisis, which leads you to not, like, take terminal action, but to rather to just flee into panicked paralysis. Because remember, at base of this is just the pursuit of pleasure. You don't want to feel bad, so you try to feel good. And online is the only place you can feel good. And you go there to feel good by making yourself feel bad. It's some sick shit. And we're all stuck in it, and I am, my God, not an exception. I 100% know I shouldn't be on here at all. And I see people saying, like, you know, oh, these religious traditions have all been used by power to maintain itself. No shit. They, emer they emerge from and are sustained by human uh, fucking material relationships. Of course they are. There's nothing untainted. There's no pure categories that can be uncritically uh, absorbed at like a symbolic level. They have to be lived. Anyway, these are supposed to be lo-fi beats to, to uh, whack off. I mean, to, uh, to relax... To relax to and, and do homework. So let's check some uh let's check some stuff. More uh, new religions are more political than the old ones inherently because when they emerge, there's more politics in people's self uh, identity. Like politics grows within a per like a person has a greater degree of like a political self conception the greater degree that they live as a liberal subject. So, like, religiosity is literally drained out of your, like, personal uh, uh, practice of life by your removal from a social context, and it's replaced with politics. And so there's a political assumption baked into it. And yes, I think that is one of the big reasons that Islam is the most inherently political of the big Abrahamic religions, is because it emerges latest. It emerges at the latest like level of, uh, of social atomization. Because there is like sort of a steady like, pull away from communal uh, bonds that like, sub you don't need to be rational. You don't need political reasoning to sustain religion when it is carried out at the, at the, at the level of like a fully bonded social order. Because what's going to interfere with it? It's only when people are broken out of those networks that uh, that the symbolic order, like the 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 granularity of the symbols, becomes uh, uh, less. Like the the pixels get bigger, basically, and it has to be filled in with uh, like uh, secular morality, basically, and like uh, the uh, enforcement of secular ethics. So yeah, like. I think that if we do get some sort of global uh, uh, working class movement that somehow like cuts off the head of this this slowly uh, you know communing Asian and American and Atlantic capital formations, and we somehow cut that head off. It's going to be religiously diverse, but religious. It will be religious. It will have to have a religious character to it. Because only religion of some kind, not, not as a structure, but as a feeling, can sustain you through the un, 
uh, glamorous, not pleasurable work of politics, both, both, even if and that's true if we're talking revolutionary confrontation with the state or the slow grinding of hard boards through uh, electoral reform. Either way, you need an engine of, uh, of religious something. And it doesn't have to even be, it doesn't have to be sp- supernatural. It could, like, it could be completely stripped of that. It could just be like an objective, uh, a, a, a moment-to-moment communal identification between yourself and humanity broadly construed. Like, you could be a fucking Hegelian. And none of this will impact your material analysis because the material analysis will not be driven by an underlying uh, supernatural uh, uh, delusion. It'll be driven by a desire to help everybody, a desire to help us overcome these contradictions within our society and provide a general welfare for the first time in human history. Solidarity is a religious concept, yes. Even if it is completely secular, it is still religious in that it involves a feeling, not any kind of um, consequentialist ethic or uh, like utilitarian, uh, uh, utilitarian ethical formulation. And they're thinking, and the reason that this movement would be ecumenical is because because people would be coming to it not from a position of installing a dogma, but from helping each other's material conditions. When people across religious lines get together, they're not going to be asking about religious uh, litmus tests because they're not worried about that. They're worried about putting food on the table. They're worried about making a fucking life for their fucking families. And the, the only situation that will allow them to continue perpetrating any religious uh, uh, practice. And so they will, over time and in the aggregate, if not in the individual case, religion, religion will maintain its centrality to a personal's, personal life while allowing them to participate fully in, an, in a uh, non-sectarian political practice. And if that's not possible, then there is no future for humanity. If that sounds insane to you, then show me on the board where anything else happens other than the common ruin of the contending classes. QAnon is not secular at this point. QAnon is a religious movement. I mean, I've realized now that the question of that a lot of people asked of, what do they do when they realize it doesn't happen? Was always kind of silly. Now, I must say here that a lot of Q people are going to just stop paying attention. Apparently, Q, uh, like, Q shit on the actual Q websites is dropping, like, traffic. I get it. A lot of people, for a lot of people, like I said, this is, a, the, uh, this is like uh, the horoscope. Or like a, uh, a sports team that they follow. And now, with Trump gone, and like the, the, the psychological uh, math different, uh, eh, you stop paying attention. But for people who are really invested in it, these people are not like standing at the precipice of like this great disappointment from the original idea of Q, which was the deep state pedos are going to all go to jail in a week, which was the original pitch. Between then and now, they have had so many moments of disappointment where they have had to convince themselves to continue believing that they have done 
religious practice over four years to have convinced themselves to take a leap of faith over almost any specific instance. They have, they have created religious, a, a religious logic to this thing now. Over the spending four years being disappointed and then reapplying, reasserting oneself by creating a new bound of faith, getting to the precipice and stepping through it. That is creating a religious practice and a religious and a spirituality. Or in a lot of these people's cases, transferring or act, like activating a spirituality. Because remember, these guys are all Christian, but we have talked about how secular Christianity is now. It is American Christianity is just the pursuit of heaven on earth as as a as a material squalid pursuit of pleasure accumulated in the now. It is no there is no engine of anything but self interest and pleasure. What they're doing with Q is turning that. Uh, original self-seeking understanding of the world into a religious one by creating a, a a real spiritual communion with not everybody in the world but with the people who aren't demonic with the saved and that's because they've spent four years convincing themselves over and over again to take another step so they have reinvigorated christianity they have awakened christianity from its materialist slumber so it is a, in my opinion, or will become a, a fifth or fourth great awakening. But what that means is, of course, up to debate. A lot of people think that means, oh, there'll be a political movement with power. I don't know if that's true. They might, uh, it might just stay in the culture. Because remember, this is all culture. And the political element is to give the culture more juice, to give you more pleasure out of consuming it. And if you have religion, you don't really need culture so much. So who knows? They might they might just turn it into like a a a, a uh, they could go violent, but and I think some of them will. But a lot of them, the ones who are relatively uh, materially well off, the ones who aren't really on the razor's edge of of sustenance and aren't really feeling precarity, I think they might uh, develop it into like a uh, a a, um, a quietist faith. Like a pre pre political Christianity, like until like uh, like uh, the way evangelicals were in America until the seventies, where you weren't really supposed to get involved in in politics. That could happen too. Don't know. Don't. I'm not trying not to do predictions beyond broad broad sweep stuff because I feel pretty confident about the broad stuff because that's the level that I'm consuming and sort of formulating. It's it. But like the thing you can never account for is is uh, contingency, and contingency only matters in the moment. So you can only give full shape to something after the contingencies have all been resolved. Ah, so yeah, that's as far as I'll go in uh, predicting Q. But I do think that that's the that's the line we're on with those guys, and I think that a similar thing will hopefully happen on the left. Because, you know, Q didn't start really within the political process. Uh, it started online. Maybe some sort of materially reflected version could happen and then be brought into, like, the into the media superstructure and then, and then uh, sort of reflected and, and uh, organized, like, within the media, but sort of also orthogonal to it because it's not constitutive. It's not depending on the same structures that, like, recoup all of the... All and, uh, and like enforce uh, like hidden uh, uh, ideological demands on all speech within the bubble. 
because it will not depend on those networks, those patriotic networks, those media income streams, those those clout networks, those like those groups of people who have like a a series of every every faction online is made up of people who are simply passing code words back and forth to determine who's good and who's bad, and that's why they'll never be able to coalesce into a meaningful political project. Something will have to emerge from below engage, burst into the political consciousness, but without any commitment to those group shibboleths. So that when they start throwing their slings and arrows, they just bounce off. You're, you have no power here. Be gone. Because the argumentation uh, uh, and the, the, the incentives within this structure are that either Republican or Democrat, it's the same, Republican or Democrat, remember this, you are rewarded to the degree that you can threaten to credibly kick someone out of the tent. That's all you're doing. You're not making a, a argument with a good faith uh, uh, incentive towards um, resolution of an issue to make something happen. Remember, this is all entertainment. Your your incentive is is to just keep the gut fight going. So your only power within the fight is to be have enough of you who are scared enough to follow your line to punish people who don't follow your line. But you have to ha care about your role within the ecosystem, your clout position or your media signature for that to work, which means if something comes in outside of it and the people within it have a self-generating interaction, like they have their own clout network, they have their own funding network, they have their own infrastructure, that when those arguments are from both sides turn to it, they will bounce off. And then the people who are captured by these narratives will maybe be able to look at something freshly and not have them have something immediately like uh, 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 rejected because it's not ideologically like co uh, presented in a way that like they recognize as good because that's all they're doing is trying to recognize good bad. It just it'll be like oh look at this good shit that's been underneath all of this superstructural mystifying bullshit that we've been arguing about over the past fucking five five years now six years now. It would be funny if Trump did a Mishima, just got up on the on the balcony of the Rose Garden and just started eating cheeseburgers, just never, just not stopping. Uh, the scariest Gladio group is no question the people who carried out the Brabant killings. Holy fuck, that is some Grand Theft Auto shit. I've talked about it before on the stream. Uh, in, the, in the late 80s, right around the end of the Cold War, there was this insane six-month, I believe, crime spree in, in Belgium where these this group of three guys in a fucking panel van were c carrying out incredibly spectacularly violent robberies of, of, of gas stations and grocery stores, often in broad daylight, in which they would just open fire on crowds of people inside these places for very little money for like cash register fucking uh, uh, leavings. And it was never solved, which is insane when you think about it. It, it was the, it, the entire country was in a paroxysm of terror. Like, am I gonna get murked on my way to buy some disgusting cheese? 
And people uh, connected to uh, the, gladi the, like the established Gladio networks, like the right-wing paramilitary groups that were made up of many NATO troops uh, who were found in possession with NATO weaponry uh, and, and even classified documents uh, were connected to weapons caches of, uh, that were found of the Brabant killers. Might have been connected to Mark Dutro and his, uh, uh, his child kidnapping ring. Ooh, that's the that is the ooh, that's the like the real satanic heart of the whole thing. Like the fucking the Italian shit is almost cute compared to that stuff. Like oh yeah, it's like they're doing the strategy of tension. And, like they're doing a bunch of terror attacks and blaming them on the left so that political repression will ranch up and the 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 communists will look bad. And oh yeah, Aldo Moro might make a compromise and bring the communists in the government. Well, we'll just have frame the left for kidnapping him and then kill him. That all, it's all just feels like a good old-fashioned realpolitik. But the fucking Belgian shit, it's like, what? What's going on, man? What are they doing in there? Because I have not found any of the theories around what the point of the Brabant killing is very persuasive. I mean, strategy of tension in Belgium, it's like, okay, but they weren't even, like, political... They didn't even, like, use a false flag political justification it was just make everyone jumpy i guess like i guess but did belgium really need that at that point in time i'm not i don't know enough about belgian history maybe that was a crucial like hinge point like maybe there was some government that was going to come in or something maybe it was a cover for an assassination although they've never been able to find any connection between any of the victims very baffling and then when you can and when he connected with dutro incredibly sinister the darkest the dark heart of of the atlantic beast The Atlantic beast that we must all, uh, which we must all root for the defeat of. We must all pray for the eventual uh, conquest, the defeat of the demonic Atlantic beast, the seven-headed NATO monster, by the uh, by the the dragon head of China. There are so many pedophiles in the Catholic Church. For the same reason, there are so many pedophiles among leaders of uh, cloistered religious communities all over the world. Because if you have a situation where an, a position of that sort of intimate power exists, people who seek it out will put it towards the ends that it allows for. That's why power collects the worst of us because you have to be bad to want to do these things to going to go through these things and with the catholic church specifically i mean john paul ii spent his entire reign looking the other way on child molesters because they were anti-communists because he was kept more he, he was all in on uh, winning the cold war
All right, guys, I want an answer from you guys. Say that I'm totally wrong and that they're doing a coup. Like it comes on the radio. Uh, uh, Count has been suspended. Trump has been sworn in. Like they just swear him in. What are you, what are you specifically, the person listening to this, what are you going to do? I'm not challenging you. I'm asking you. Like you hear it. You hear the news. What do you do right away? I'm just curious. I'm not challenging. Like you hear it. What, are you, what is your instinct to do? I don't even know what I would. I'm just asking. Okay, so if we assume that if not what we would do, but what we collectively would do would be insufficient to stop this from happening, how would our relationship to politics change? How would our relationship to the way we consume media change? Would we keep listening to Pod Save America and Chapo? Because they wouldn't ban them. Would we keep going to work? Would we keep paying rent? If you think there's any question there, if you think that it might happen, here's the deal. If you think it might happen, if you think we might actually coordinate a resistance to this that has a chance of doing anything other than being symbolic and short-lived, then they will not do, try to do it. Because why risk losing when they don't have to? When they've got this thing by the balls and they really just have to deal with this guy's ego and, you know, his dumb followers he's riled up. Like, that's really all they have to deal with. If, on the other hand, there's no chance that we could possibly stop them, then they don't need to do it. See? See what I'm saying? Either way, you can free yourself from this fucking, this wheel. And I know you're like, well, how would they know for sure? I'm sorry. They've got fucking Pentagon. Uh, uh, if we think we know what's going on, I guarantee you that like, there are Pentagon planners who uh, have run the numbers on like the, our, civil, our, our civil capacity for resistance in the face of just the overnight abnegation of the democratic process. And there would be a percentage base that they would have on how high the, like, the attrition of that would be, how low the stock market would go, for example. And I don't think it would be in any way. Nobody's actuarial chart is going to have them decide to do that. Unless they're like, oh, yeah, we could roll over them. Well, then why bother? Why bother with any headache at all? They're not a danger. They're not a threat. They are happy with their bottle. Put Trump Biden in there. Let everyone get mad at him. Because there's going to be no pressure from the bottom forcing this. That is what I must stress. There is no, just like you would do nothing, like I said. If there was some, if, if Biden somehow like did a did a coup on him, I don't even know how it would work now that he won, but like when he's declared victory and they all feel like it was a coup, because think of it this way, when Biden is a finally like sworn in, it will feel as much like a coup to them as the Supreme Court 
like nullifying a bunch of votes and giving it to Trump would feel like a coup to you. And what would they do? And the answer is the exact same one that you would you have given. So there's no pressure from below to make this happen. It would have to be a cold, calculated move from people whose investment in the system goes beyond Donald Trump's personal fucking ego. And the thing is about this that I'm so happy about is that if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, then it doesn't matter. Because I'm sorry, if you're trying to own people online about how they were wrong about the coup, if you're trying to uh, score some points and get some clout off the fact that the coup actually did happen and you didn't, none of us stopped it, then I'm sorry, you are the loser. You are forever and eternally the loser. And even though I was wrong, I still win. Because... I don't have to fucking have another say. You're the one compelled to, like, try to get some fucking minutes on a cricket phone in a refugee camp to post on, like, whatever's left of Twitter in code about how you were right. So, yeah, if I'm wrong, it doesn't matter. I still spent my time, before that happened, less anxious for no good reason. Less with a little knot in my stomach that I was tending like a little fucking Tamagotchi of anxiety. I got to fucking drill a little bit and have fun and laugh at this bullshit instead of feel like, no, it's my civic duty to be upset right now. It's my civic duty to feel bad about what's happening, that there's going to be a coup. Do you see why this is nerd shit? Do you see how this is a kind of worldview that is based on the, the idea that there is someday going to be a fucking test and that you're going to get a grade on how you did as like a citizen? You think that. You secretly think that there's a, someone grading you. And there's nobody grading you. There's no teacher. Anyway. Calmer than you are, dude. Calmer than you are. Peace.